Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. We had one television in my house growing up, the living room television. When we got Atari. Things got a little heated sometimes between my sister and I as we fought for control of the television set. I guess our house was a little on the oldish side because we also had a lack of outlets in the house. So there were two outlets by the television. One of them had a lamp plugged in almost all the time, and the other had the television. Then in the other corner where there was another lamp, there were two outlets, and one of them was open because only one lamp was plugged in. Often because the lamp that was plugged in next to the television got used by the stairs, it's a long story, I had to plug the Atari into the one in the corner. Now that would normally be okay, but we also had a light switch that if you turned it on and off would turn that lamp on and off. It would also turn the Atari on and off. My sister would torture me constantly with this. Often I would try to plug it into the other one and unplug the lamp, Then someone would go to turn that lamp on, and it wasn't, and my mother would say, you just gotta plug it in the corner, and then I would say, no, she's gonna unplug it, and she would say no, and you know how it is with kids. When I got Yar's Revenge, I was obsessed with the game. It is one of the best Atari games ever made. Very addicting, and when you're on a roll, you do not want to stop. Whenever I would really get into a game, though, my sister would come in and then start taunting me with the light switch. Oh, I'm gonna flick it. Oh, I'm gonna flick it. She did this to me one night, and it was driving me nuts. But she never flicked the switch until about an hour and a half into my gaming. Suddenly, I heard the switch flick. It was in the other side of the room, and the Atari went away, and I turned around and started yelling. Probably saying things I shouldn't have. What I didn't know is she did not flick the switch. My grandmother had flicked the switch. And here I was yelling at her as I was turning around, and I'm staring at her, and There she is with her cup of coffee, staring at me, shocked. I never raised my voice to her. I tried to apologize, and she was shocked, and I guess a little hurt. But she said, no problem, it's okay. Now, I adored my grandmother. She was nothing but sweet to me, and I felt horrible. And in my kid head, I blew everything out of proportion, thinking, oh, she's going to be mad at me forever. So I went down the next morning, and I apologized to her. And she said, well, I didn't know you'd get so worked up over games. I tried to explain to her how much fun they were. She'd never played any of these video games before, and I don't know why, but I managed to talk her into trying them. And while she couldn't get into Yar's Revenge, she did enjoy Pac-Man and Space Invaders. I wish I could say that this taught me a very important lesson, to not yell without looking behind me, but when you have a sister who enjoys tormenting you, you never learn. And the added bonus of getting me to yell at somebody else and having pulled that off when she found out seemed to delight her. I guess in the giant scoreboard of brothers versus sisters, she had scored a point. And I have to say, if I was being detached from this whole situation, it was a pretty good one. But the joke's on her, because her little game got me to bond with my grandmother over some great video games. And while I never got my grandmother to enjoy the frenetic pace of Yar's Revenge, I did get her to watch me play and to compliment me and to get up and make me French toast while I was playing. So, win-win for me. 
On today's show, we're going to talk about Yar's Revenge, the amazing title for the Atari 2600. We'll talk about its creator, some of the concepts behind the game, the story behind the game, gameplay. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about strategy, and we'll throw in some surprises here and there. We have some great guests on the show today, and we have a lot of information to cover. So without further ado, let's start the show. like Yar's Revenge, the way out space game that's new from Atari. Who else? Have you played Atari today? That Atari commercial has been drilled into my head. I think of it often. I spent so much time playing Atari and thinking about the game, and with good reason. Yar's Revenge is one of the best games for the Atari when it comes to replayability. It's right up there with the classics. It was created by Howard Scott Warshaw. Howard Scott Warshaw was born in 1957, worked as a game designer at Atari, and designed three very famous games. Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is a good game. E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which has a very bad rep, maybe for a good reason. And Yara's Revenge, which is an amazing game. The game started as an adaptation of the arcade game Star Castle, but once he started trying to adapt it, he realized that due to the limitations of the systems and the understandings of the technology at the time, he wasn't going to be able to do it. So he took what he had and readapted it into a new game involving mutated houseflies that are defending their alien world against an alien attacker. That is actually the story behind the game concept. And we'll talk a little bit about the backstory a little later, including the albums that were released that explain the story. Because the game was such a critical success, he was considered a hotshot, and he was picked as the designer of Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was also a critical and commercial success. So he's batting a thousand here. Then E.T. the Extraterrestrial comes out, and this is going to be a huge movie. So they want a game to go with it. The big problem was he was only given a little over a month to complete the game from concept to release. If you work in any industry... Quality is very important, but you're also given a deadline, and you have to get something out the door by that deadline, which he did, on time. But the game, though, was not great, and it angered a lot of people who spent a lot of money on it, and Atari took a bath on it. The video game crash would happen, and Atari would be sold. Warshaw actually was working on another title called Saboteur, which was going to be readapted into a video game based on the TV series The A-Team, 
Sadly, that never came to light. After his time at Atari, Warshaw would write two books and produce and direct three documentaries. So a man of many talents. Today's show is brought to you by your local pest removal service. Having a problem with those pesky insects? Call your local pest remover. Just make sure you're not exterminating those yar. Those guys are helpful. Gotta love the exterminators. Now, as I mentioned, the game began as a port of Cinematronic Star Castle. Sadly, that never came to being, but the game does have some wonderful technical achievements. Here with a little bit more about the tech involved in Yars Revenge is Rob Flack O'Hara with his segment, Talking Tech. Talking Tech. Greetings and salutations, retro listeners. This is Rob Flack O'Hara with another installment of Talking Tech. One of the first things you'll notice when starting a game of Yars Revenge is the large, colorful block of static that runs vertically through the screen. According to the manual, this is known as the Neutral Zone, a place where the Yar can safely hide from incoming destroyer missiles, but not incoming swirls. The seemingly random pattern of static and colors would be fairly trivial to generate on a modern computer, but doing so on the Atari 2600 turned out to be quite a challenge, especially considering the fact that the entire game had to squeeze down onto a 4K cartridge. So, how did Howard Scott Warshaw do it? Generally speaking, there are two ways to generate random code in a computer program. The first is to write code based on a random number generator, which typically uses a seed number based on a computer's internal clock. That wasn't really an option here. The other is to pre-generate pseudo-random-looking data, and then present it back to the player in a seemingly random order. Warshaw didn't have the space to do that, either. Instead, what he did was use the random data that gets generated internally while playing the game. As you control the YAR, all the internal bits of the program that are constantly running and changing are converted to ones and zeros, which get displayed directly onto the screen. That stripe of seemingly random bits that offer shelter to the YAR is, quite literally, the game's code being displayed before your eyes. I hope you appreciate that as much as the Yars do. This has been Rob O'Hara with another installment of Talking Tech. Talking Tech. Thanks, Rob. So in Yars Revenge, you take the role of Yar, or A-Yar, which are a species of fly-like insects who are descended from flies that were on a space capsule being piloted by humans that crashed they evolved, they built a civilization, and then the Kotal showed up and wiped out a third of their civilization. While although the Yar are a peace-loving insect race, they know that the Kotal will not be stopped, so they are going to be the front line in this war against the evil Kotal. They are not weak. They can fly through space and get to the barrier of the Kotal and nibble or shoot through it, once they make a hole big enough, they can fire their Zorlon cannon into the breach that they make and destroy that Kotal. The Kotal, though, is not without his own abilities. He's very powerful. In addition to his barrier shield, he can turn into what's called a swirl, which 
you can kind of see before it happens, and he can fly out and kill the Yar, and if he misses, he just reforms and will eventually go swirl again unless Yar takes him out. There's also this torpedo or missile, or sometimes called a destroyer, that's constantly chasing Yar around. Lucky for Yar, he can hide in this wonderful glistening neutral zone area and be safe in there from the torpedo destroyer, but the swirl can always get him there, so it's not a safe place from everything. Your goal in the game is to destroy the Kotal and to score points doing so. You score points the following ways. Shooting a block of the Kotal shield is worth 69 points. Eating a block of the Kotal shield is worth 169 points, so eating is good. If you shoot the Kotal with the Zorlon cannon, you get 1,000 points. And if you shoot the Swirl, you get 2,000 points. And you can get pretty good at timing that. If you get really good, you can get him when he's in midair with the Zorlon cannon. And you get 6,000 points and an extra life, up to a maximum of 9 lives being stored at any one time. Which means if you get really good, this game can go on a very long time. As the level progresses, the destroyer missile slash torpedo will get faster. The quotile will swirl more often and often without warning. After you reach 150,000 points, the swirl gets smarter and almost becomes like a guided missile. If you can get over 230,000 points, it gets really, really difficult. Unfortunately, there is no way to beat Yara's Revenge. There's no end screen. So I say if you can get into these late post-230,000 point stages, you are very good at Yar's Revenge. You could count yourself amongst the Yar Legions. Your greatness will be sung throughout the stars by the Yar race. I played a lot of Yar's Revenge. Some things I like to keep in mind. Never get lulled from level to level into thinking you understand the speed of the Kotal, because that will change based on your score. What I like to do at the beginning is move to the far left corner of the screen, get the missile to follow me. Then, since I'm so much faster than it, I move down and then over to the Kotal's base and start eating things. By the time he comes back to me, I can usually get back to the corner and do that all over again. Eventually, that missile gets much faster, so that doesn't always work, but by that time, you'll get the hang of it. When you're trying to destroy the Kotal, you have to fire your missile, and that's often a challenge. I like to destroy all the shields first just to maximize my points then get right up in the Kotal's face. You'll see the missile on the far left corner of the screen. It looks like a square. you got to compensate for movement and you also need to get out of the way because that missile, your missile, can kill you. We'll return after these messages. A fly. I'll have... A mutant fly. Hello, Yar. You'll need some protection. Ion zone. Uh-uh. Shift chroma. Intensify. Okay. Now you need some weapons. Mm-hmm. You have a formidable enemy. The Kotile. Watch it, Yar. He has a lethal drone. And some other tricks up his sleeve. Spiral. Go. Oh, good move, Yar. Now, I have a surprise for you. A Zorlon cannon. Use it, Yar. Fire again. Got him. <laughs> That's revenge. Yar's revenge. 
Now, this could be fun. This could be a lot of fun, like asteroids. Get him. Get him. Watch it. Disintegrate. Now, let's go into deeper space. Galactic map. Okay. Sector 11. Hyperspace. Sights in. Cylon warships. Attack. Photons. Star Raiders. That's it. Star Raiders. That'll keep them on their toes. Let's see what we can come up with next. We're Atari. We have the vision. And we invented the technology to bring it home to you. And now, back to the show. The first Easter egg in a video game was in the Game Adventure, which I covered in an earlier show. Yar's Revenge also has Easter eggs. After killing the swirl in midair, a black line will appear on the screen where the swirl was shot. If you move vertically along that line, the game will end and go into the game select screen with the programmer's initials, HSW, shown both forwards and backwards in place of the word select. That is not the only sort of inside joke in the game. The very name of the game, Yara's Revenge, is a reference to Ray Kasser, who was the CEO of Atari from 79 to 83. He was not very well liked by the engineers at Atari, and his nickname was the Czar. He dismissed the Atari engineers as high-strung prima donnas. So Yar is sort of a little inside joke by Mr. Warshaw, referencing everyone's much-loved boss. Now a little bit more about how well Yar's Revenge did and who it was up against is Doug McCoy with another also ran. Hey, I'm Doug, and this is Also Ran. What also ran alongside Yar's Revenge in 1982? Who did the Yars have to share space with on the faux wood grain paneling of your Atari 2600? Well, there were humanoids, adventurers, aliens, athletes, demons, and whatever that thing in Centipede is supposed to be. In 1982, there were arcade ports such as Centipede, Berserk, and Defender, there were also original games like Haunted House, Demons to Diamonds, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. There was Star Raiders, which required you to use that additional number pad. There was the Real Sports series, Real Sports Baseball, Basketball, Football, and Volleyball. There were a couple Sword Quest games, Sword Quest Earthworld and Fireworld. There was Pac-Man, and there was E.T., both of which were somewhat disappointing. Not only so, but since video games have a longer shelf life, all the old staples were still there. Warlords, Missile Command, Circus Atari, Skydiver, Bowling, Adventure, Slot Racers, Space Invaders, Outlaw, Breakout, Basketball, Combat, and Air Sea Battle. So how did the Yars do against all this competition? Well, to be honest, I'm not sure. 
Yars Revenge is not listed among the top 10 best-selling Atari 2600 games. Those were the only lists, the only numbers that I could find. But Wikipedia says it was the best-selling original title for the 2600, which certainly would be something. I really can't speak to that. What I can speak of, though, is how I first came across Yars Revenge. I didn't find it in 1982 when it first came out. I didn't find it until probably 1985. I found it in a bargain bin at a KB Toys that year, got it for five bucks or less, and brought it home. I was getting a lot of Atari 2600 games out of those bargain bins that year. I didn't know why at the time. I know now it was because of the great video game crash of 1983. I was blissfully unaware of this crash. All I knew is that I was getting great games like Yars Revenge for cheap, and I was stacking them up row by row upon the top of my Atari 2600. So I'm Doug, and this has been Also Ran. Thanks, Doug. To tie in with the release of Yara's Revenge, an album under the Kid Stuff Records label was released, and it contained a theme song and a radio drama-style reading of the story from a comic book that was produced, sort of an expanded version of it. And it explains where the Yar came from, how they encountered the Kotile, and kind of explained how to play the game, and also give a little bit of strategy. The recordings themselves are pretty easy to find online. You just do a quick search for Kid Stuff Records and Yar's Revenge, and you should find most of them. You'll also find the Yar's Revenge theme song, which can also be pretty magical. Both recordings were produced by John Braden and were written by John Braden and Jay Waxman. I don't know much about John Braden, but I went and looked. He did a couple of things for Kid Stuff Records, including My Little Pony, Strawberry Shortcake, Flash Gordon, Barbie. He also has a record on A&M Records called John Braden, which has 11 tracks on it. And based on his work on Yars Revenge, it seems pretty interesting. I was only able to find one copy online to buy. And I didn't pull the trigger yet. Now, as I said, the recordings in the Kid Stuff Records are based on a comic book. And that comic book is included in your copy of Yar's Revenge. If you haven't opened that box, rush to do so right now. Tear it open. In it, you will find a comic by Frank Sirocco that explains the story of the Yar. For a little bit more about artist Frank Sirocco, here's Vic Sage with another Why Should I Know This Person? Hi friends, Vic Sage here with this episode's Why Should I Know This Person? And this week we are looking at Yars Revenge comic book illustrator, Frank Sirocco. Sirocco was born in 1956, where at a young age he found his life's calling to be in the art of illustration and painting. Throughout his varied career, he has worked in the fine art market and the entertainment field for more than 30 years. 
He has worn the hats of production artist, designer, art director, writer, editor, and creative director for companies including DreamWorks, Yahoo, LucasArts, Marvel Comics, Electronic Arts, Mattel, Universal Studios, and Rocket Science Games. Besides illustrating Yar's Revenge, the Kotile Ultimatum, along with Ray Garst and Hiro Kimura, Frank helped co-create Alien Legion with Carl Potts for Marvel Comics' creator-owned imprint, Epic Comics, in 1983. Other Marvel comics where Frank served as cover artist include Star Wars, The New Defenders, Doctor Strange, The Incredible Hulk, Solomon Kane, and Defenders of Dinatron City. In gaming, he has worked on all manner of flyers for both arcade and home consoles. To name a few, he illustrated the Nintendo Game Boy ad for Centipede, the cover for the Nintendo 8 Eyes, and arcade flyer for Ghouls and Ghosts, and he's done artwork for issues of the Game Pro magazine. Frank was also the designer for the Sega CD title, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, The Second Cataclysm. He had a hand in helping with illustrations for two of Dwarf Star Games' RPG offerings entitled Barbarian Prince and Outpost Gamma. In 2009, Frank co-founded the Skyland Gallery in the Santa Cruz Mountains with his wife, Leela Dowling. He has taken to focusing less on fantasy and sci-fi in his latest works of art, and more on the theme of nature. This has been Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person? Signing off until next time. A couple of months ago, I was watching Airplane and decided to watch Airplane 2. If you're watching Airplane 2 at the very beginning, there's a scene with a kid who starts messing with the controls, and there are these sound effects heard. The sound effects that you hear, I believe, are from Yar's Revenge. And I looked it up online, and one other person confirmed that. So, very cool that the game's sound is immortalized in a movie, and it has... Very solid sound, very science fiction-y sounding. It really works well. Great audio. The only thing missing is music, but with a game that has a single screen, having repetitive music probably drive you crazy. So it just has this wonderful ambience. A great job on the sound on this game. When you have a successful game, like Yard's Revenge, you're bound to have some remakes and ports. The game has shown up not just on the Atari, but on more modern systems like the Xbox through Xbox Game Room. It was also ported to the Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance. Two years ago, a downloadable title was released for the Xbox Live Arcade, and another version that same year was released on Facebook. I'm not a big fan of Facebook gaming, but that Yard's Revenge wasn't bad, and the one on Atari.com, which is sort of an updated way of playing it stays very faithful to the original while adding a little bit of extra eye candy and also staying true to the spirit of the yar unlike the xbox live version which is actually called yar's revenge where it's apostrophe s not s apostrophe because it's not the yar race seeking revenge it's one person named yar if you are coming to atari gaming late in life there are a couple of games you need to own if i had to pick just two off the top of my head i would probably pick pitfall and yar's revenge adventure would be very close if i had to pick a third yar's revenge and pitfall have so much in common they have almost unlimited replayability with a very simple concept in both you have to constantly keep moving to maximize your score and not get killed and There's a tension because one false move, one bad decision, and 
it's over for you. That's why Yar's Revenge is a classic title and one that you should definitely check out. If you have to play the version online at Atari.com, that's fine. But if you can, fire up your old Atari or get to MAME and play the original. You'd be surprised at how relevant it is today and how a very simple system can deliver hours and hours of gameplay. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Doug McCoy for his great segment, Also Ran. You can find Doug McCoy at The Retroist or at his website, authordougmccoy.com. Thanks to Rob Flack O'Hara for another great talking tech. You can find Rob at the website as well, or you can pop by his website, robohara.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for another Why Should I Know This Person. You can find Vic on the Retroist all the time. If you have any feedback for him, you can email him at vicsage at retroist.com. We're in for a real treat at the end of the show. Please stay tuned because I have a special musical guest. We're going to play some music by Weird Paul, his ode to Atari called Please Don't Break My Atari. If you enjoy it, you can find more about Weird Paul at his website, weirdpaul.com. You can also do a search for him on YouTube, and you should definitely do that because he has some of the greatest videos. He was vlogging back in the 80s before anyone even realized what vlogging was, and he has been posting videos of these tapes that he kept. And if you were into nostalgia and the 80s, they are magical, so check them out. And I'd like to thank him again for appearing on the show. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Please don't break my Atari or you're gonna be sorry. Please don't break my Atari or you're gonna be sorry.
I always play my Atari. Boop, 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 boop. This has been a Retroist production. Goodbye.